And uh, could we just stand to our feet and welcome the man and woman of God to this pulpit right now. Isn't the Lord wonderful? Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. It is so good to feel the presence of the Lord today, to be able to come and uh, start our week off right by focusing upon what is important. You know, the psalmist said in Psalm 3, uh, I believe he was reflecting on situations and circumstances that he had gone through. Kind of like we were singing about today. He said, but thou, O Lord, art a shield for me. He went on to say, my glory and the lifter up of my head. You know, life has a way of kind of pushing you down. Problems and things cause us to lower our gaze. I kind of like the way it says it in Spanish a little bit better than it does than I do in English. It says, but thou, O Lord, are a shield around me. You know, shields for the Roman soldier was something that they carried usually in their left hand, and they had to move it around and try to protect themselves. And That's why that they would go out in groups and try to protect each other. But serving the Lord is so much better than anything that the world even knows because he is a shield around us. That means on the right side, on the left side, in front, behind, above, below, everywhere, the Lord is our shield. I'm thankful to serve the Lord Jesus Christ and to be strengthened and secure in Him, aren't you? Praise the Lord. It is our privilege to be here in liberty today and be able to rejoice in the Holy Ghost, feel the presence of God. Thank you, Pastor and Sister Dornbach, for your kindness, for your hospitality inviting us to come and thank each one of you for allowing us to be here and for creating a atmosphere of worship where the Spirit of the Lord is moving. Amen. I say the Spirit of the Lord is moving in this place today. Amen. And it is exciting. We are excited uh, to be here and uh, I think God has great things in store for His people whether we are in Chile or whether we are in Missouri. Amen. We're living in Exciting times. You know, there's a lot of challenges, a lot of difficulties. Things aren't like they used to be. Somebody said that, sure, I live in the past. It's cheaper back then. Uh, but we can't live in the past. But in spite of all that's going on, the problems and uh, pandemic and everything, we're living in exciting times. Amen. Because God is moving. God is doing great things. Uh, people are reaching out. For God and God is uh, transforming lives, and we are so excited about that. And uh, today we come representing the country of Chile, South America. And just to give you a little background, I'm an MK, a missionary's kid. I was raised, most of my formative years were on the mission field, and uh, the Lord has been so good to me, allowing me to be a part of His work and kingdom. And I'm thankful for that, and uh, thankful for my wife. The Lord uh, blessed me. Almost, uh, well, going on 35 years ago now. Uh, well, it was going on 36 years ago I met her. 35, we've been married almost. Uh, met her at the conference uh, in the capital city of Santiago. Uh, good things happen at church. Good things happen in conference. 
I met my wife there on April 5th, 1985, and uh, she has faithfully followed and uh, been a part of my ministry, and uh, we have been blessed of the Lord. The Lord has blessed us. We have two daughters, grown daughters. One is uh, married, lives in California. The other is uh, finishing up her degree uh, in college and uh, is soon moving to California, so they're kind of moving off to parts unknown. But uh, the Lord privileged us to be missionaries in the nation of Chile for 14 years. And uh, then after serving there, the Lord called us back to the States. And uh, we, uh, I jokingly tell folks that we came back as missionaries to the city of Miami. Uh, But the truth of the matter is, wherever we are, we're all missionaries because we're all on mission. We've been given the Great Commission. And uh, the Lord blessed us. We pastored there, started a church, pastored there for around 10 years. And then just to show you that God has a sense of humor, you know, how many know God has a sense of humor? A lot of people think God is just old, an old, serious man with a long white beard and has no sense of humor at all. God has a tremendous sense of humor. He called us from beautiful, warm, sunshiny Miami to Michigan in January. I thought my wife and daughters were going to die, and uh, I was wondering if I was too, Uh, but we made it. The Lord was good to us. Uh, We did get awful cold, uh, but uh, we were uh, pastored there, and uh, now after being back in the States for a little over 20 years, the Lord has called us back to Chile, uh, where I grew up, where my wife is from, and uh, we are so thankful to uh, be able to go back excited about what God has in store And uh, I'm glad to tell you that there's revival in Chile today. God's doing great things. They've been facing the pandemic just like we have uh, in the capital city. They've taken more restrictive measures than uh, anywhere I've been. They were on total lockdown for over about, about two and a half months, I think, in the capital city, not able to get out of their houses except special police permit twice a week. They could go online, get a police permit for a couple hours to go to the grocery store, get in the grocery store. They had to have their uh, police permit on their mobile device, get their temperature checked, go in, buy their groceries and go home and wouldn't be able to get back out. But in spite of it all, folks are repenting of their sins, being baptized in Jesus' name, being filled with the Holy Ghost. God's working in spite of the pandemic. And uh, Chile uh, is a very unique country. Number one, it's the longest and narrowest country in the world. To give you an idea a little bit about it, because if you see it on the map on the southwestern side of South America, it's really difficult to put it in perspective. But the square mile-wise, it is about the same size as the combined countries of Italy, Portugal, and Japan. But it's only about as wide as the state of Indiana. If you could bring it up to the U.S., tip it over, put it on its side, put one end at the Pacific Ocean in San Francisco, the other end would go out past New York City a little ways. Right around 2,700 miles long, averages about 150 miles wide. So you see, when we travel there, we don't travel very much east and west. We run out of room, but we have plenty of room to spare traveling north and south. And your pastor mentioned, and I want to echo his words and thank you for giving to She's for Christ. 
purchasing us a vehicle. You, can you imagine? From where we lived in the capital city, without a vehicle, it would be almost impossible for us to evangelize and get around in the country. Our northernmost church, uh, if you get out on the Pan American Highway, drive north uh, in uh, Chile there, drive up through the Atacama Desert, which is the driest desert in the world, uh, you would uh, arrive at our northernmost church in Arica, Chile, up on the Peruvian border, uh, after about 24 hours of driving time. Now, to get to our southernmost church, it's a little different. Chile uh, is very uh, mountainous. Our mountains go up to almost 23,000 feet high, run the whole length of the country. And uh, to get to our southernmost church, although it's just a few hundred miles further, uh, it's a little more difficult because you get out, go on the Pan American Highway south till the road ends, and then you put your car on a ferry. You ferry the car across, get to the other side, drive a little while, Put your car on another ferry. Do the same thing. And then you drive a little more and you end up in Argentina. And then you're back in Chile. And then you're back in Argentina and back and forth until you get tired of it and then you just keep doing it. The terrain in southern Chile in areas uh, is uh, so rugged. Uh, it's a lot like Norway with the fjords uh, and uh, the ocean and the mountains. It's impossible to put a a road through there. So that's why you have to go over into Argentina and back and forth. But if you keep up, be patient, persevere. Fifty hours later, you would arrive in the city of Punta Arenas, where our southernmost UPC work is. Wish you could go with us and serve to service there. You'd find folks just like us, sound a little different, maybe look a little different, but would feel the very same way. Presence of God moves there. Revival is a part of what's going on all the way down on the Straits of Magellan. You would not only be in the southernmost United Pentecostal Church in Chile, you would be in the southernmost United Pentecostal Church in the world. All the, you know, the Bible talks about Chile. It says uh, to the uttermost parts of the earth, we're there. Amen. So thank you, young people, and uh, those who are maybe not in the youth age group, but still give to She's for Christ, purchasing us reliable transportation. We're so grateful and thankful for that, and uh, we couldn't, do, couldn't be effective without you. Chile has a population of around 19 million people, uh, almost 8 million of them, a little over 7.5 million live in the capital city, and uh, so you can see it is a, a very uh, big place. And Chile is the most modern and progressive country in Latin America. And because of it, we have seen many changes over the last several years. One of the greatest changes we have seen is a massive influx of immigration, people migrating from other South American countries, uh, many, many people coming in from neighboring countries, people coming in from Colombia, a lot of people coming in to, from Venezuela due to the current situation there. Uh, and uh, we speak Castilian Spanish, and they just adapt a little bit to the way we speak, and uh, they fit in after a while and uh, become a part of society. But there is a, another group of people that have migrated in by the tens of thousands. They say the number one destination for uh, this nationality of people uh, is obviously the U.S. The number two destination for them is Chile. And they don't speak Castilian Spanish. They don't speak any kind of Spanish. They speak Creole. They're not from Louisiana. They're from the island of Haiti. 
Tens of thousands of Haitians have migrated into Chile in the last decade or so. When they come, it's quite a uh, time of adaptation for them. But I am so thankful to be able to report to you today that two of our churches in the capital city, besides having their regularly scheduled services in Spanish, preach the Acts 238 One God message every week in Creole. We're reaching out to the Chileans, to the immigrants. God is giving us revival. He's no respecter of persons. We're living in exciting times where God is doing what we never could imagine. And uh, so we are so thankful for that. And uh, we rejoice every time we hear a good report of what God is doing anywhere in the world. I'm glad to be a part of the church. Amen, amen. And, uh, you know, people usually have two questions, uh, two predominant questions that they like to ask about Chile. Uh, and so I'll try to address this uh, right now so you don't wander all service long. And uh, this, this happened uh, when I was growing up as a missionary kid with my parents. People asked these questions. They still ask them. So it uh, must be interesting. So uh, through... Answer your question, perhaps, before you get a chance to ask it. We don't eat chili in chili. You have to go to Wendy's. We don't have Wendy's. Uh, they have all the ingredients, as far as I know, to make chili. They just don't have the recipe, I guess. Maybe if the Lord leads you to have an entrepreneurial spirit, uh, you could come to Chile and open a chili restaurant in Chile. might go real well. Uh, who knows? Uh, another question people like to ask is, is it chili in Chile? And the answer is, to the astonishment of some, right now it is chili in Chile. It's wintertime in Chile. June, July, and August is winter. And uh, we're from the deep south, so far south that we have penguins and icebergs and glaciers and all that kind of stuff. The further south you go, the colder it gets. And uh, it is... Uh, quite an experience to go down where I talked about our southernmost United Pentecostal church. It's cold down there, saints. And uh, so it's a little interesting when you start thinking about we have the dry des driest desert in the world in the north, and we go, we're the closest country to the Antarctica. And uh, I, w I would like, uh, before I uh, preach here, I want to invite my wife to come. I'm thankful for my wife, uh, Marcia, who has been very faithful traveling with me and uh, is a very vital part of my ministry. And uh, we'll do this maybe just a little bit different, let you see what uh, it would sound like in Chile, minus the interpretation. I greet you in the name of the Lord Jesus. I feel very happy to be with you in your city, with your pastor and his family. But I feel happier than ever to be in the house of the Lord Jesus. We've been going for a while through virtual services. And thank God that he's been with us. But there's nothing better than being in a place like this. We can feel the presence very strongly in this place. Although I can't understand all you say. Thank God we don't have to understand him. All we have to do is feel him in our lives. 
realmente la presencia del Señor se siente y los felicito porque usted atrae la presencia del Señor Jesús. And truly we feel the presence of the Lord and I congratulate you. You have brought the presence of the Lord here. También quiero agradecer a Mother's Memorial. I also want to thank Mother's Memorial. Porque nosotros estamos regresando a nuestro país, a mi país y yo no tengo nada de frutos allá. We are going back to my country and I don't have anything there. Pero gracias a Mother's Memorial yo voy a tener lavadora, secadora, refrigerador y cocina. But thanks to the ladies working for Mother's Memorial, I will have a washer, dryer, stove and refrigerator. Y como ustedes saben, esas son las cosas más caras de una casa. Así que realmente yo se los aprecio por el sacrificio que ustedes hacen por las esposas de los misioneros. También Madre Memorial apoya al Instituto Bíblico. Yo recuerdo cuando yo al mes siguiente que yo llegué a la iglesia Pentecostal Unida, yo asistí a mi primer Instituto Bíblico. After I came, first came to the United Pentecostal Church, I enrolled in Bible school. Yo me crié en una iglesia cristiana. I was raised in a Christian church. Y yo pensaba que yo conocía a Dios. Yo estaba segura que yo conocía a Dios. And so I was sure that I knew the Lord. Pero después cuando asistí a ese instituto bíblico, but when I attended the Bible school, me di cuenta que yo realmente no conocía a Dios. I realized I really didn't know the Lord. Así que realmente también yo se los aprecio. And so I appreciate it. También quiero agradecerles porque ustedes mandaron un misionero a mi país. Thank you for sending a missionary to my country. En mi país no existía la verdad. My, in my country the truth did not exist. Debido a lo mismo, mamá y mis hermanos existían, eh, fueron criados y nacidos en la iglesia católica. Because of that, my mother and my older siblings were born and raised in Catholicism. Y ella me cuenta cuando yo tenía como seis, siete años, ella empezó a asistir a una iglesia cristiana. She tells me that when I was about six or seven, she started to attend an evangelical Christian church. Y ella asistía a aquella iglesia como dos a tres veces al mes a aquel lugar. She would go two or three times a month. Así yo me crié hasta como los 19 años. That's the way I was raised until I was about 19. Y era todo lo que yo conocía de Dios. That's all I knew of God. Pero yo cuando tenía como 14 años, un día yo dije, eso no es para mí. But when I was about 14 years old, I decided this is not for me. Yo dije, cuando yo tenga mi mayoría de edad, yo me voy a ir de ese lugar y yo no voy a asistir más a una iglesia. So I said, when I become of age, I'm going to leave and not come back. Llegó a la edad en que ella tenía como 20 años. And when I was about 20 years old. Así que decidí de irme de la iglesia. I decided to leave church. Yo, a mí no me el mundo. I wasn't interested in the things of the world. I didn't want to go out and party or get into drugs or anything. Pero vivir mi vida sin ese But I wanted to live my life independently without, uh, without uh, having to be dedicated. Así que llegó un domingo decidí de no ir más a la iglesia. And so I decided one Sunday not to go to church. And instead of going to church, I went to my sister's house. And I had to ride the bus for about an hour and a half to get where she lived. And by mistake, I got off the bus too soon. Así que no me quedó otra cosa que caminar. So I didn't have any option except to walk. Así que empecé a caminar uh, por el centro de aquel lugar. And so I started walking down the, the roads of the city. Y yo recuerdo como que aquí a la segunda fila había un matrimonio con dos niños. And I remember that from about from where I am to the front row, there was a 
hubieron dos cosas que me llamaron la atención de esa pareja. Una de ellas fue que yo vi un matrimonio con sus hijos. Eh, para mí fue, eh, me llamó la atención porque yo vengo de mis abuelos, mis tíos, mis padres, mis hermanos, mis primos son todos divorciados. My family, uh, my grandparents, my parents, My aunts and uncles and brothers and sisters are all divorced. Así que vengo de familia, una familia desconstituida. And so I come from a dysfunctional family. Así que al ver esa pareja me llamó la atención que estaban unidos. And so <coughs> to see uh, that family together uh, it caught my attention. Y lo otro que me llamó la atención fue su manera de vestir. Another thing that caught my attention was the way they were dressed. Y yo dije esto debe ser pentecostal. I said these must be Pentecostals. A mí me habían enseñado que los pentecostales eran muy diferentes y tal vez un poco locos. They had told me that Pentecostals were a little different, even a little crazy. Pero fue tanta la atención que me llamó que yo los empecé a seguir. But it caught my attention in such a way that I started following them. Así que ellos caminaban rápidos. They would walk fast. Yo caminaba rápido. I would walk fast. Ellos caminaban lento. They would walk slow. Y yo caminaba lento. I would walk slow. Así que así pasaron como cuatro o cinco bloques y llegamos a un lugar como mil personas. We did that for about five blocks until finally we went into a place where there were about a thousand people. That's the first time I ever entered into a Pentecostal service. Y hasta el día de hoy yo estoy aquí. And from that time to that, this, this is where I've been. Así que... Realmente yo les agradezco por haber hecho eso por nosotros. Thank you for giving that to us. Tal vez ustedes se preguntarán muchas veces si vale la pena apoyar a los misioneros. At times you might wonder if it's worth the sacrifice to support missions. Tal vez esos 30, 40, 50 dólares es indiferente. You might think that 30, 40, 50 dollars is really not that important. O tal vez al revés. But on the other hand, realmente te es un sacrificio. You might give it with great sacrifice. Pero yo les quiero decir que para Dios But God uh, realizes what you do. And he blesses each one of you. The offering that you give, you don't give to the church. You don't give it to the pastor. You don't give it to us as missionaries. You give it to the work of God. Así como ustedes han cortado la maldición por la bendición de Dios en mi vida. As you have ended the curse in my life and changed it into the blessing of God. Así ustedes lo han hecho con muchas familias. You have done it to, in, to many families. Y realmente nos han transformado nuestras vidas. And you have transformed our lives. Ahora yo no vengo de una familia desconstituida. I come from a dysfunctional family. Pero ahora yo tengo una familia constituida. But I have a functional family now. Y eso es gracias a Dios y el sacrificio de muchos de ustedes. Y en el caso de mi familia, case, llegué yo a la Pentecostalidad. Pentecostal Después llegó mamá. Came, Después llegaron mis hermanas. Mis hijas son nacidas y criadas en la Iglesia Pentecostal Unida. También así como mis sobrinos. Y ahora mis, los hijos de mis sobrinos están en la Iglesia. And now my nieces and nephews, sons and daughters are in the church. Así que 
Realmente yo les aprecio porque ustedes realmente nos cambiaron nuestro destino para ver un día el rostro del Señor Jesucristo. Thank you for changing our destiny, helping us one day to see the face of God. Yo recuerdo cuando yo asistía a esa iglesia eh, que eh, me crié cuando yo era pequeña. I remember as I was going to church as a small child. Yo realmente nunca tuve un encuentro con Dios. I really never had an encounter with God. Así que yo tenía muchas preguntas. I had many questions. Y una de ellas era por qué yo existía. One was, why do I exist? Se dice que el primer hijo y el segundo hijo es el hijo del amor. They say in a marriage the first and second child are products of love. Tal vez el tercero y el cuarto. Maybe the third and the fourth. Yo soy la número ocho. But I'm number eight. <laughs> Así que esa pregunta siempre yo existía en mi vida. So that question always existed in my life. Así que siempre pensé, yo era una más del grupo. I thought I was just another one of the group. Que yo era una equivocación. That I was a mistake. Que tal vez yo era porque yo existía porque él existía solamente. I just existed to exist. Pero ahora que yo soy una mujer cristiana de la cabeza a los pies. But now that I'm a Christian from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. Yo sé que yo soy una mujer cristiana y que tengo un Padre celestial. I know that I have a heavenly Father. Y yo sé que yo no soy una equivocación. I know I am not a mistake. Yo sé que el Señor me creó con un propósito. I know God created me with a purpose. Así que yo quiero cumplir ese propósito. I want to fulfill that purpose. Y es predicar su evangelio. And that is to preach the gospel. Y estamos en tiempos muy difíciles. We're living in very difficult times. Tal vez realmente toda esta pandemia ha cambiado el curso del, del universo. And the, the, this pandemic has uh, changed the course of everything. Y nosotros como cristianos necesitamos estar bien and as Christians, we need to be steadfast. A la verdad, el mundo necesita iglesias como estas. The world needs churches like this one. Porque nosotros estamos ofreciendo al mundo una esperanza eterna. We are offering the world an eternal hope. Y la mejor contribución que ustedes pueden ofrecer a su comunidad. The best contribution you can give to your community. A sus hijos. To your children. En sus trabajos. On your job. En cualquier lugar donde ustedes estén. Anywhere where you are. Este realmente es la verdad del Señor Jesús. Is the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. La naturaleza nos forma. Nature forms us. El pecado nos deforma. Sin deforms us. La religión nos reforma. Religion reforms us. La escuela nos informa. School informs us. Pero solamente nuestro Señor Jesucristo puede transformar nuestras vidas. But only the Lord Jesus Christ can transform our lives. Así que realmente yo quiero cumplir el propósito que el Señor me creó. I want to fulfill the purpose for which God created me. Y ese es predicar el evangelio. Que el Señor Jesús le bendiga. May the Lord bless you. Hallelujah. Amen. Oh, the difference Jesus makes. What a difference it is when the Lord gets a hold of our lives. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Well, I trust that you may be seated. I trust that will let you see a little bit more of what missions does. Amen. And I want to thank this church and your pastor for becoming a part of the CRT, the Chilean Revival Team. Amen. We are so thankful for uh, the opportunity to work for God. And I want to tell you that... Um, the Lord has blessed us in the country of Chile. We have around 70 churches now, and we're very excited about that. But yet we have so much more we need to do with the help of the Lord. And, you know, the work of God is, is wonderful. It's awesome. 
It kind of reminds me of a pencil. You might say, well, I have used a lot of pencils and none of them have been awesome. <laughs> Probably most of us never stop to think when we're writing with a pencil on how it was made. I'm not talking about a Mont Blanc or an expensive. I'm just talking about a regular school pencil. Deputation last fall took us up to the Pacific Northwest. The timber industry is huge up there. Trees everywhere. Huge trees. Hundreds of, and, and even thousands of people work in the timber industry. The wood for the pencil maybe came from the Pacific Northwest. The graphite for the lead could have come from a mine maybe in northern South America. That's a big industry also. And the eraser, well, that's the part I wear out quickest. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you think that technology being what it is, they would make an eraser that would last longer? Of course, they'd probably just tell me don't make so many mistakes and it'll last. But maybe the rubber for the eraser came from a rubber plantation in Malaysia. That's another huge industry. Thousands of people. They never see the people in the timber industry. They never see the people working in the mining industry. But all of these people around the world in different industries work faithfully doing their job. They produce their product, package it up, ship it across the globe. That's a whole separate industry there. Finally, it arrives at the pencil factory. They do whatever they do to make pencils, paint them yellow, stamp number two on them, ship them to the store, and we buy them and use them and never think about it. But the next time you use a pencil, I want to encourage you just to stop for a minute and think. Hundreds, maybe even thousands of people that you and I never see worked faithfully doing their job so that we could have a pencil. The kingdom of God is very much the same. We all have different callings, different talents, different abilities. I can't do what you can do. You're not called to do what others are called to do. But we all have the opportunity to do our job, the responsibility to answer the call of God in our lives. And when you do your job and I do my job, we all do our job. Something greater than making pencils is accomplished. We're reaching the world with the gospel. Things of this world are temporal, but when we work for the kingdom of God, there is an eternal reward that we will have. Oh, how exciting it is to be a part of the church of the living God. Amen. Thank you so much for your faithfulness. Please remember us in prayer. The nation of Chile, uh, we need the help and direction of the Lord. There are so many areas, including uh, Easter Island that belongs to Chile, where we never even have preach the Jesus name apostolic message. They are about 2,300 miles out into the Pacific Ocean. It's kind of like our Hawaii. They are of Polynesian descent. And the beautiful Rapa Nui people have never heard the gospel that you and I have heard. So we ask that you pray with us. And thank you for partnering with us as partners in missions. I believe we are living in the most exciting time the world has ever known. You know, it had to be exciting to be a first century Christian. But I believe it's equally and even more exciting to be a last century Christian. Amen. We could talk all morning long about Chile, but I want to go to the word of the Lord and share just a little bit with you here before uh, we...
finish in the book of Mark chapter 11 and uh, verse 12 through 14 and uh, then drop down to verses 20 through 24. And I uh, do want to warn you uh, that since I'm an MK, a missionary's kid, I was, then was a missionary in Chile, then we came back to the States, we pastored in Miami, had 16 nationalities, they were all Hispanics. Finally, we went to Michigan, pastored an English-speaking church, but started a Hispanic-speaking church also. The vast majority of my ministry has been in Spanish. And so I have been known to supposedly be preaching along in English, and I don't know if I get too excited, try to do it too fast. Something happens. Uh, and I have been known to say a word or two or three or more in Spanish. Some of you would be all right with that uh, today and understand me, but uh, if that happens... And uh, those of you who don't understand me, just bear with me. Say, God bless him. He doesn't know any better. But I'm thankful to know that Jesus Christ knows all about me. And in spite of it, he still loves me. If everybody else knew us like Jesus did, we wouldn't have a friend in the world. But oh, the love of Jesus. Hallelujah. So if you'll allow me to, I'd like to start off like we would in Chile. Is that all right? Thank you for your confidence. Mark chapter 11, verse 12, and when you find it, say amen. That's the way we do it in Chile. It says, and on the morrow when they were come from Bethany, he, speaking of Jesus, was hungry. Seeing a fig tree afar off, having leaves, he came if happily he might find anything thereon. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves. For the time of figs was not yet. And Jesus answered and said unto it, No man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. And his disciples heard it. Verse 20. And in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. Peter calling to remember, saith unto him, Master, behold, the fig tree which thou cursest is withered away. And Jesus answering saith unto them, Have faith in God, for verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, What things soever ye desire when ye pray, believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. With the help of the Lord for the next few minutes, I would like to speak to you on the thought, the blessing in the cursing of the fig tree. Mark relates to us that the morning after Jesus' triumphal entry, he and the disciples were leaving Bethany, walking to Jerusalem. We don't have a whole lot of details, but apparently they had not had breakfast because Jesus was hungry. I think it's safe to say if Jesus was hungry, the disciples probably were pretty hungry. I don't know how it was for you when you were growing up, but my mom always told me, son, never skip breakfast. She went on to clarify it, telling me, breakfast is the most important meal of the day. Did anybody else get taught that when you were growing up? 
Don't skip breakfast. It's the most important meal of the day. That didn't make much sense to me as, as a kid growing up, especially when I became an adolescent, more so when I became a teenager. I didn't skip breakfast, lunch, nor dinner. As a matter of fact, frequently I added some other meals in between the regularly scheduled meals. I still don't like to skip breakfast, lunch, or dinner. Don't skip it. It's the most important meal of the day. Jesus and the disciples got up and were walking to Jerusalem, and they were hungry. Scriptures relate to us that in the distance, Jesus saw a fig tree. We need to understand that that was not a new revelation for the Lord. He is the creator and sustainer of all things. Before creation ever began, he knew that one day he was going to put that fig tree right there. So when he saw the fig tree, it was not a revelation for him. Soon the disciples realized Jesus is walking towards the fig tree. Perhaps he got close and looked around on the fig tree a little bit and then took a step or two back and then he did something that I think probably confused the disciples. Because he turned and looked at the fig tree and said, No man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. Jesus cursed the fig tree. Now that was very much out of character for the Lord because he was always kind and loving and merciful and patient. Now he walks up to a fig tree. Mark even tells us it wasn't time for figs. He looks at it, finds no fruit on it, and he curses the fig tree and tells the disciples, okay, let's continue on to Jerusalem. When they were in Jerusalem, various things transpired, and the next day they walked that very same road and came right back past that fig tree. And now, to their astonishment, it was dried up from the roots. Most of us have probably seen trees that have been cut down or trees that have been blown over in storms. And even in the hottest part of the summer, if a tree has been cut down, the leaves don't fall off of it from one day to the next. If they cut a tree down and want to use it for lumber, they can't use it immediately. If you cut the tree down and cut it up into small pieces and split it up for firewood, you can't burn it immediately. It has to cure. The wood has to dry out. But as Jesus and the disciples came back the very next day, scriptures relate to us that it was dried up from the roots. And Peter spoke up, Master, behold, the fig tree which thou curses is withered away. I don't think Peter was just saying, you know, Lord, an update on the fig tree, FYI, you cursed it yesterday. Today it's totally dried up. I think Peter was perplexed. I believe that the other disciples probably were confused along with Peter. Number one, they didn't understand why Jesus cursed the fig tree yesterday, and they certainly didn't understand how it was totally dried up from the roots today. And they wanted an answer. And Jesus answered. Aren't you thankful to serve a God who answers? However, he did not answer the way they thought he would or the way probably they had hoped he would. 
Because Jesus simply said to the disciples in verse 22, have faith in God. Even as we read the scripture, it almost seems like it's out of context. Yes, Lord, we're, we're doing the best we can to have faith in you. That's why Peter, James, and John, when you called them, they left their nets, their boats, their livelihoods, and followed you. Hey, there's Matthew. He left his tax table. Lord, it took faith for them and for Matthew and for me and for all of us to follow you. And now we're just confused about this fig tree situation. If you could explain it to us because we know you do everything for a reason. There is a purpose behind everything that you do. And so if you could explain this fig tree ordeal to us, our faith would grow exponentially. We would really have some good, strong faith. Jesus continued on. In verse 22, he said, have faith in God. In verse 23, he went on. And he said, verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea. And I believe this next part is key. And shall not doubt in his heart. But shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Verse 22, Jesus said, have faith in God. In verse 23, he says, don't allow doubt to be in your heart. Maybe you've heard a lot of explanations, as I have, as to why Jesus cursed the fig tree. Some people have explained that even though Mark relates that it was not time for figs, the reason Jesus cursed the fig tree is because fig trees in that part of the world typically had two crops of fruit a year. I do know that's the case in Chile because in one of the houses that my parents rented, we had a huge fig tree in the backyard. The leaves are bigger than my hand. And in the spring, there is a crop of what we call brevas in Spanish. In Hebrew, they're called tash. In English, we, I think, just call them early figs. They're big. They're not real plentiful, and you have to look around behind those big leaves, and if you look and are patient, you can find them, and they're edible. They're not real sweet, but they're good. I was always happy when fall came, because after the brevas were gone in the spring, and summer came, and finally fall came, the figs came. They're smaller than the, than the tash, the brevas, but they're plentiful, and let me tell you, they're very sweet. They're better than Fig Newtons any day of the week, and I like, I like Fig Newtons. And so I've heard it explained that it was not time for figs, but it was time for Tash, and it didn't have the early figs on it. That's why Jesus cursed the fig tree. Okay, that sounds like a good explanation. I've heard other people explain, well, it's because the tree appeared to be fruitful, and it wasn't. It showed all the signs of being fruitful and had no fruit on it. Then others have given, a more, given it a more spiritual interpretation. Saying, 
goes to show us the dangers of living a fruitless life. There are some who even give it a prophetic explanation, saying it was symbolic of the coming destruction of Israel. You know what I think? They all sound like good answers. And as far as I can see, the Bible does not give us a specific answer. As the disciples wanted a specific answer, Jesus didn't give them the answer they wanted, but he gave them something greater than an explanation for an immediate circumstance. Because you see, the Lord knew that there were going to be other challenges and other fig trees and other problems down the road. He was not wanting to give them an answer for an immediate situation. He was wanting to instill a truth in them and let them know that no matter what fig tree or what circumstance or what problem arised in life, you didn't have to have an answer or an explanation. All you have to do is have faith in God, knowing that He is sovereign, He is in charge of everything, and everything will be all right. So Peter, the rest of you disciples, don't worry about trying to find out when, why, and where. Just put all of your effort into having faith in God. Because you see, all they could perceive was the cursing of the fig tree. But Jesus was trying to let them know, although you can only see and hear the cursing of the fig tree, if you will trust in God, you will find that there is a blessing hidden in the cursing of the fig tree. When we go back to Chile, there are going to be some fig trees some problems we have to face. Don't feel sorry for us. Pray for us. And we'll pray for you because there are going to be some fig trees here in Missouri. We're not taking them all. We don't have a monopoly on them. Job said, man that is born of woman is a few days and those are full of trouble. And he went on to say, as sure as sparks fly upward, man's born into adversity. Life is full of problems. There are a lot of fig tr- things that don't make sense. We're going along, and then all of a sudden everything's fine, and all of a sudden something happens, and that doesn't make sense at all. Lord, what is this all about? Lord, why is this? I don't understand this fig tree. I don't like this fig tree, Lord. But I want to encourage you that as you face the fig tree situations in your life, things that all of a sudden happen and have no explanation and make no sense, I want to encourage you to listen for the voice of the Master because He always speaks to His people as they stand in front of fig trees. I don't understand a whole lot about faith, but I do know a couple of things that really help me out. I do know that faith in Jesus Christ always brings forth wonderful results. And I also know that every single one of us in this place have faith. Because the Bible declares that God has given unto each of us a measure of faith. 
Now, don't ask me what size the measure is. It could be a quarter of a teaspoon. It could be a dump truck load full. I don't know. But I do know it's the right size. I like, I like to read in, in the book of Hebrews chapter 11. You know, that's the faith chapter. It starts off and we read and it says, Now faith is the what? Substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Down in the sixth verse it says, But without faith it is impossible to please him, because he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is the rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Now bear with me just for a minute here, because by nature sometimes I, I get a little analytical. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 says faith is a substance. Amen? Now faith is a substance of things hoped for. It also says it's the evidence of things not seen. So according to the word of God, faith is a substance and faith is evidence. You take substance on one hand and evidence on the other hand, and when you put them together, you get something. When you take substance and combine it with evidence, it gives you substantial evidence. Anytime that there is a court proceeding, whether it's a hearing or trial, whatever it is, and there is an attorney that is representing, defending their case, and they do their homework and are diligent, and they come up with proof, substantial evidence that backs up what they're saying. They know I can go into court the very next day. I can address the judge or the jury with confidence because I have concrete proof, substantial evidence backs up what I'm going to say. They know we go in, we present the case, we're going to win. It's just a matter of going through the motions, through the legalities of things because substantial evidence is concrete proof that what we are saying is true. I'm thankful to know that through the trials of life and the fig tree situations and everything that we face, there is some substantial evidence that we can get a hold of when we have faith in God and hear His voice speaking. I don't have to understand all the details. I don't have to know all about the fig tree. But if I can hear the voice of Almighty God, I know I am going to be victorious. I know that God is going to sustain me. I know that it is going to be a time of growth and that the blessing of God will come because there is substantial evidence on my side that God is for me and if God is for us who can be against us oh I want to encourage somebody here today maybe you're facing a fig tree maybe you're going through a trial I want to let you know that if you will listen for the voice of almighty God there is a blessing hidden in the cursing of your fig tree hallelujah Dear saint, don't become despondent. There is a blessing hidden in the trial that you're going through. A lot of times we worry about what we don't have, especially when it comes to answers. Instead of worrying about what we don't have today, let's just worship God for who he is, for what he does. He's an awesome God. The late 18th century Welsh nonconformist minister by the name of Christmas Evans said, Faith is not a sense, nor sight, nor reason. It's simply taking God at his word. That means I don't have to figure it out. 
I don't have to understand. I don't have to like it. Thank God I don't have to figure everything out. You know, when we come to that realization, it, it, it's a relief for us. A lot of times, many times, we come to the realization we don't have to figure things out after we wear ourselves out. That's just good old human nature for you. But when we finally come to the realization, I don't have to figure this out. I just have to allow God to work it out. What a relief it is. Abraham heard the voice of God. God made him a promise, and then years went by and nothing happened. Well, we rejoice and we see it, read about it in the book of Genesis, and we read about it in Hebrews chapter 11 also with the heroes, heroes of faith. But there is more light that is shed on, on Abraham's life in the book of Romans. Romans chapter 4 tells us that Abraham, without weakening his faith, Faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. So much time had gone by now that it was a human impossibility. But it says, yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God. I think he got up every day. Said, I don't understand this fig tree. I don't like this fig tree, but I remember hearing the voice of God. And so somehow God is going to work it out. And because he wavered not regard, uh, through unbelief regarding his faith, the promise of God, it goes on to, to tell us he was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God. When a child of God standing before a fig tree refuses to waver, refuses to question God, refuses to say, I'm not going to put up with this anymore. They say, Lord, I don't understand it. I can't figure it out. All I can see is a cursing, but there's a blessing somewhere. There is strength that is imparted through the Holy Ghost. There's strength in the house of the Lord this morning. And that's not the only thing that happens. That's wonderful. That's great. But also it says Abraham gave glory to God. Not after he had the victory. Not after Isaac was born. But before he saw the realization of the promise. You know it's great to give glory to God after the victory arrives. But I believe that perhaps God is glorified in a greater way in the lives of his children as they stand in front of fig trees and say, Lord, this doesn't make sense. But in spite of everything, I'm going to trust in you. I want my life to glorify you. I want you to be exalted in my life. Hallelujah. If there's anything I want to accomplish in life, I want to glorify my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. George Mueller, who was a Christian evangelist in Bristol, England in the late 1800s, said the beginning of anxiety is the end of faith. And the beginning of true faith is the end of anxiety. I invite you to stand with me today.
I don't know what fig tree you're facing. Maybe you're not facing one, thank God, but get ready. I'm not a prophet. I'm not trying to be pessimistic. That's just life. You know, we've been, as a race, we've been facing a fig tree called COVID-19. Who knows what we'll face down the road. As individuals, as churches, we, we all face fig trees and situations that just really, really, all we can see is this is a curse. Today, I want to let you know that if you're facing a fig tree, and when you face a fig tree, you can rest assured knowing your fig tree has an owner. You know, it's no wonder that the songwriter said, Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Another one went on to say, Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. Just to take him at his word, just to rest upon his promise, just to know, thus saith the Lord. If you're facing a fig tree, you don't have to worry about how it's going to work out. All you have to do is listen for the voice of God. He will speak to you. I believe he'll speak to all of us today. Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 29 brings me great comfort as I understand. He knows all about the fig trees. And they do belong to him. The writer of Deuteronomy simply said, The secret things belong unto the Lord, our God. I wonder if we could just raise our hands and voices to the Lord today and thank him for his presence. If you're facing a fig tree, if you're facing a problem, if there's something that doesn't make sense in your life and you desperately want it to change, I encourage you, listen for the voice of God. As you reach out to him today, standing in front of the fig trees, ask him to speak to your life and ask him to, to allow you to hear his voice before we leave this place this morning. We desperately need to hear the voice of Almighty God because all that we can perceive is the cursing. But here today, there is a blessing hidden in the cursing of the fig tree. God has something great in store for each and every one of us in these trying times that we're living. There is a blessing. There is a victory. There is anointing. There is direction in the presence of Almighty God, even in fig tree situations. we find a place to pray right now why don't we if you feel comfortable approach an altar you can stay where you're at whatever you whatever you feel you need to do right now but let's just follow that that command of don't worry trust God don't worry trust God I think we have a choice today anxiety or faith anxiety or faith you look at the fig tree right now, is it going to be anxiety or faith? Oh, I want to trust God. 
Let's just respond right now. I want to trust God. I know you want to trust God. In the name of Jesus. He's moving here in front of me. He's moving here in front of me. The one who made the death to hear. The silencing my everything. Silencing my
You're the God. 